Live life the Edgecorp way. Punch the clock. Keep your head down. Collect your pay. This is the day-to-day -day reality of working stiffs in a rough galaxy. But when the crew of the cargo freighter Calamity fails to catch break after break, their lives are turned upside down. Bad cargo, spiraling debt, and a woman's life on the line, all with the Golden League crime syndicate breathing down their necks. It's no surprise that these blue-collar folks get desperate enough to take any job. Can't let danger or moral compromises get in the way of their bonus checks. So goes life, far beyond the stars. I realized my mistake. I should never have let you finish loading the cargo rig. That was stupid. I should have said that like halfway through your eight hours of loading this cargo rig, you get attacked by these guys. Should have done that. Why am I an idiot? I let you finish. I let you finish like some kind of idiot newbie GM. The hindsight 2020 GM comments are always gold. I know that when I say that, you guys all laugh at me. So just let me return the favor and give you a hearty ha uh ha. -huh. Uh <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. I'll take it. I, I know that this is my just desserts. <laughs> hey, you learn and you get better. That's all and that matters. And next time, I will absolutely interrupt you with surprise attacks when you're in the middle of a task and can't leave. It just makes you feel less guilty when someone finally dies. That's not true. You felt massively guilty. And Miss Fanny goes down. I'm going to milk it. I'm going to make you folks cry so much. So much. Yep. <laughs> Friday is going to die when the night class becomes available. I'm never <laughs> dying. <laughs> I'm going to try my level best to kill all four of you. Took her five episodes to get there. Oh. You can't kill me. I'm a I'm an android. My soul will just leave my current form and go to another one. <laughs> Infinite ballads. <laughs> oh no! Is that what happens to androids? No, no, I but that. I can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they release their souls, and uh, something a new soul comes and inhabits their body. I die when I choose to die. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's the other part. They voluntarily are um, can release going, you know what? Somebody could use this body. Bye. Enjoy. Yeah. Age-wise, uh, androids are effectively immortal. Like, dying from old age is not really a thing. But most androids will be like, I'm going to shuffle off at like a hundo. I'm good. <laughs> at a hundo. There are lots of questions. That are not relevant to this this podcast episode. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> Did you want to ask any of them? No, I'm gonna I'm gonna just leave it be. We got shit to do. We do. We have a lot of shit to get through. Before we get to the shit, though, I want to talk a little bit about the drift, just a little bit, because I think it's so cool. I think it is one of the neatest features of the Starfinder setting. I when I was prepping today's session. I was in this happy, dorky, sci-fi fantasy bubble of joy thinking about drift travel because y'all just left Accutone and you entered the drift and you're heading to Absalom Station. And so I wanted to dig into the, the lore a little bit for us and then also for other people who maybe this is their first time listening to a Starfinder podcast. So what do you four know about drift travel so far? The, the coolest fact I've heard about drift travel is the fact that it's another plane of existence. So you're basically plane shifting whenever you go through the drift. And I thought that was a really cool feature to make use of the planar levels that have been in TTRPGs, especially the D&D &D and the Pathfinder type games for since the dawn of time. Taking advantage of that for interstellar travel was just really cool to me. Oh, yeah. yeah, and usually that's done through magic, but it's not magical, it's technological, which I think is neat. I know very little of the drift, to be honest. Uh, it's funny when you were saying, hey, Starfinder podcast, I'm like, hey, this is my first Starfinder podcast. I'm glad I'm listening to it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good show, right? It is. I'm a big fan. <laughs> Subscribe. I found out about it as the gameplay was going on, so the rolling of the dice 
because I guess what the entrance and exit can vary. That's really cool. Super inconvenient for like plotting out family vacations or trips because it's, oh, honey, when are you going to get here? I don't know, two days, six uh, weeks. <laughs> we'll see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's all I know. So it's a, it's a different plane that's actually, yeah, that is pretty sweet sauce. I don't know anything else beyond what I heard you folks talk about. I might be misquoting it because this is from memory and not from being like an Uber fan. I wonder if there's expeditions to kind of check out the mysteries of of the drift. That mm. sounds Absolutely. awesome. Like that is a full-on line of work in the Starfinder Society. Oh, cool. Oh, figures. Oh, heck is yeah. Is drift, drift archaeology. <laughs> I also love that there is a Battlestar Galactica element because if you don't have a place that's beaconed, when you use the drift, you can end up anywhere. And if you're not careful, you have to you have to go to places that are beacon. And if you try to go someplace that is not beacon, there is a risk that you will just end up in some random place. And it just gives me that, that Battlestar Galactica when they're trying to find a new planet yeah. and they're just hopping around space, not really being able to chart where to go other than that way. And and that's kind of how travel is. If you don't know where you're going, you just mm-hmm. end up in random places. And that yeah. seems fun. Although, unlike Battlestar Galactica, uh, an interesting feature of the drift is you can't accident like you can't jump into a place where matter already is. Uh, you you can only jump into empty space. So, like in Battlestar Galactica, they keep talking about how you could accidentally jump into the middle of a sun if you're oh, if you're not noise. careful with your navigation. But uh, that can't that would that can't happen in the Starfinder universe. That just doesn't how drift travel works. You can't you like two pl- two things cannot occupy the same space at the same time. Um, that's good at least. <laughs> so that's nice. There's like and and so ships when they're jumping together, like if you, if you're like in an armada, say, and you're trying to coordinate you know, 50 ships all traveling to the same place, you have to carefully coordinate your navigation so that you're each navigating to a slightly different spot so that you don't, because you can't all jump to the same place. That's cool. That's neat. My thoughts about the drift are that it's freaking rad for one. Yeah. Um, Uh, Yeah. I don't know a whole lot about it. I haven't really done like a lot of the research into it. I do get the sense that it's something where punch a hole into through reality to get to something else it sounds like it kind of works off of the idea of wormholes except the worm as if the wormhole was just another reality as what you've already said i'm actually wondering if witch warpers don't access the drift for their witch warping abilities you know if like that's where all the junk from friday's junk spell came from it's just stuff my that... beautiful junk bot <laughs> <laughs> if that was all that junk bot was beautiful by the way definitely in the merry column <laughs> <laughs> nice <clears throat> i'm sure your junk bot will be used as my spell at some point rude jess any thoughts i find uh the drift really interesting because it is something that is used constantly it was something that it was introduced by a god and then everyone Mm -hmm. started using it constantly and i always wonder about like are there ramifications and if they're not why aren't there is that something that the gods are sort of keeping in is it just something that the creators of the game don't really care about which is fine like that makes sense too but i guess because i love like eldritch horror um eldritch horror and eldritch things are like my favorite kind of stuff mm-hmm. so anytime there's like a, a a conjunction of planes you know what i just nice. realized that sounds very dragon agey it does in dragon age there are big consequences for the conjunction of spheres and i feel like that doesn't happen as much but i do wonder in starfinder you know in what ways they've sort of like whether they've weaved that in is that something that matters etc etc you know it's just constantly on my mind <laughs> i actually have a partial answer to that oh interesting because like i said i went down a drift travel rabbit hole i had some fun i looked at some things and uh, so to kind of fill in some of like the gaps in knowledge, although I think Dustin probably knows more about the drift and is like 
very sweetly. <laughs> <laughs> like not going on his own nerdy monologue about it, which he can if he wants to. Yeah, when Jess, what you said about the, that no, there's no ramifications, I was like, ah! <laughs> but go ahead, Abby. <laughs> yeah, so the actual, the, the ramifications of drift travel, um, there, are, there are a few. Um, so drift travel was, as Jess mentioned, gifted to the the sentient species of this galaxy by the god triune who is a triple god comprising the deities epic cassandale and brig and epic was an artificial deity built by the machine races of abalon uh represents the peak of mechanical perfection artificial intelligence computer programming and robots and Cassandale is a artificial consciousness and a god of life, emotion, reincarnation, and renewal. And Brig is a living construct representing the foundational sciences and technology, invention, and machines. And after the gap, they formed Triune, which is sort of a, a artificial intelligence deity that comprises all three of those things. Triune gave the drift technology to the sentient species of this galaxy in 3 AG. So not as far back in the past as one might think, because for reference, you're currently in 317 AG. Oh. This was not that long ago. It is within the living memory of some long, longer-lived species. And the consequences of drift, pa- of drift travel, because as Dustin said, it is a second plane on top of our own, it's coterminous with the material plane. Each point on one corresponds to a point on another, but two points an inch apart in the drift might be light years apart in the material plane, which is how you can use the drift to travel between points that are separated by that much space. But the drift also is inconsistent. Uh, two objects next to each other one moment might be miles apart the next without any apparent movement. Oh, that and sucks. that's why you always, you have to roll a die to figure out how long drift travel is going to take you. Like for example, that first day, that very first session, Ak- Akiton and Castorville were only one day apart in the drift. But if you had tra- had like that exact same journey might take seven days on your next roll. And then in addition, uh, you, you can travel anywhere within your solar system, usually within one within a week, um, as long as you as long as there is a drift beacon nearby. But if you're trying to travel outside of your solar system, that might take up to three weeks, with the notable exception of Absalom Station. Absalom Station always, from any point in the galaxy, only takes a week to travel to. Because the Star Stone is the drift beacon for Absalom Station, and it is not well understood and is unlike every other drift beacon. Oh. By the way, uh, every time you drift travel, you essentially rip off chunks of other planes. Uh, so you are destroying things every time you drift travel. Oh, that's horrible. The erosion is so small, and the chances of actually bumping into something that has been ripped from the material world into the drift is not a lot. Um, you're, the drift is a risky place to be, but you're not likely to encounter things that have been ripped the material plane into the drift unless you're specifically seeking that stuff out. I don't know if that's I don't know if that's a workaround for why good characters might not be that bothered because it's just sort of like a it's a very small erosion, but it is a scientific concern. Uh, the only other thing that I wanted to add about drift travel before we move on because it's uh, I'm definitely excited to crack back into our uh, episode. Drift travel is very dangerous because there are a lot of horrible things that might happen to you in here. For example, there are pockets of it where technology doesn't function and a ship that isn't aware of those pockets and doesn't enter one with enough momentum could end up dead in the water. And it is also inhabited by several creatures that call this plane of existence home. It is a, it is a dangerous place and a fascinating one. That was one of my next questions. That's crazy. Was, are there things in it because as a person angel espinoza 
holy crap, that's fucking creepy. <laughs> there be things in here. Oh, she's the the most things. scariest of them. Well, there's a lot of scary things, but yeah, the Atlantis Star Empire is what freaks me out because they like to come into the drift and take <laughs> your stuff and then go out of the drift. They're basically star pri- pirates. Yeah. Uh, uh, definitely a hazard and one that all of you would be well aware of as <laughs> drift cargo haulers. Uh, with no weapons or gear, why nope. Edge Corp thinks this is okay? I because we're drones. Yeah. They but don't it care. shows how it shows how good of a crew we are because we've been doing this for a while and we have survived with a ship with no weapons. It mm-hmm. also helps that we're really small, so yeah. oh, it makes yeah. it easier to not be seen. Huzzah! That sound good? Huzzah. Sounds good. Huzzah. I okay. feel drift informed. I'm glad. I really wanted to talk about the drift because it's cool. Last episode, you loaded your cargo hauler and a couple of Ainsley, the hunter's goons, showed up, tried to shake you down to actually buy that cargo. Also, they seemed very fixated on our beautiful crystal friend, Saren. In a neat solution, Captain Friday, Mr. Thinking on his feet, just said, Miss Fanny, just, just drive. Just drive away. And so you did. Good for you. We, we, it wasn't just drive away. We tripped them up a little bit so they couldn't follow us either. Yes. Yes. He was did. too fast, too furious. Hashtag. Yes. <laughs> it was great and we all had fun. We learned how to drift in that market. I hate it. Okay. So you made it to Ballad's contact within the Saito Corporation, Kiyohiro, who had agreed to buy your produce for 70% of what you might have originally sold it for. In addition to taking all this fruit off your hands, he also imparted a couple warnings. He told Saren that sure presence had been noted by unsavory people on Accutone and that it would be in everyone's best interest if if she left immediately. There may or may not have been an implication that people will continue to pursue Saren. Uh, also, there were just in general, he he's worried about his good friend Ballad. Ballad should not have gone back to Akiton. Circumstances meant that they had to do it anyway. But, you know, just another warning. And he told her that someone named Sinjin that she seems really concerned about had recently been able to start his own crime family within the Golden League something else to be concerned about after getting all of this information you headed back to calamity and left akiton and decided generously to give runo pratt the proprietor of pratt's produce his full share of of the profits from this venture and have resolved to give edgecorp the rest of it when you exit the drift at Absalom Station and try to make up what you can as quickly as possible by getting a hold of Tarika and seeing if she can line up any other jobs for you. It was a good choice. I 100% support it. Good old Runo. It was a good choice. However, being stuck in the drift fire five days very much ruins probably the possibility of doing that. Yeah, we missed our window. We missed our window by a few hours, Captain. As you entered the drift, Miss Fanny, you set the Starstone as your destination when you first guided the ship into the drift. And I think you'd be able to calculate where the station is in relation to your current position and would have been able to notify Captain Friday of your new ETA, which is really disappointing news for people that were hoping to make up the difference (laughs) uh, in time. That was really bad luck that Absalom Station is five days away instead of one. You're entering the drift, which is always a little unsettling. You all must have done it hundreds of times at this point in your lives and careers. You're used to it. Probably doesn't give you any real pause anymore. It's just a part of the job, just another part of space. But on a deep subconscious level, you know it's different. 
Drift technology is fairly seamless. You understand that you pretty much just vanish from the material plane and appear here. But the shift of the matter of you, the ship surrounding you and your crewmates to another dimension is still something you feel in your bones or your lattices. And you can sense that you've left your plane of existence behind and have entered truly unknown, unpredictable territory. The old phrase, here be dragons, comes to mind. Not literal dragons, of course, but certainly the sense that anything, anything at all, could be out here. But currently, your systems are running smoothly because Saren keeps that drift engine purring like a kitten, baby. Yes, she does. The four of you, you've got some time on your hands. Uh, what do you want to do with it? Are you going to post a watch? Are you going to get some sleep? Because that was a long day on Akiton. But tell me, tell me what you want to do with your time. Baron is probably too keyed up to sleep at this point. Uh, too nervous, too anxious about anyone that might be following. Um, sure. And will offer to to take first watch uh, okay. in the drift. Last episode, Friday, the first thing he did after we entered the drift is he said he got into his hammock that's set up in the, the main bridge and put his hat over his head and went, immediately fell asleep. But he sleeps in the bridge most times because that way if an emergency pops up, he can literally just jump out of the bed and start taking action. That's some good captaining. Yep. So that's where he is. And uh, he figures that someone will wake him up if they need him. So he's going to sleep until then. Saren's on watch. Friday's sleeping. What are Ballad and Miss Fanny up to? Miss Fanny is going to do just the final check. They want to make sure everything's ship shape. But they're tapped for spell slots. They used absolutely every single one of them for the loading, unloading, the ride in the the vehicle was bumpy there it was labor intensive and miss fanny is well currently no spring chicken and she is hurting she's looking for a little ben gay some epsom salts what have you (laughs) and you know (laughs) uh, she's putting up a brave face but at the same time she needs just a few moments She's all about other people, but she still takes care of herself. And this is just one of them. It's part of the joys. It's part of the experience of being, uh, you know, an older humanoid. And that comes with, uh, you know, pains. Hobble over to start working on the the Ben Gay into their arms and and uh, uh, just sore bones. Ballad, what are you up to? She's not doing much of anything. She's sort of operations going as normal like they're relaxing they're chilling out <laughs> adding some adding some music to jam bot while saren isn't around yeah if saren is distracted they're just adding <laughs> music to jam bot while their back is turned uh <laughs> you would think maybe they would be sitting around thinking a lot or something but they're not they don't even seem to really be doing that. which may be surprising to Saren, for example. It would probably be surprising to just see Ballad being completely, not even putting on a brave face, just being completely chill. Saren's watch passes with no problems. Ballad's passes the same way. And Miss Fanny, when you settle down in all of your mentholated old lady glory, at the bridge, Friday still passed out on his hammock, gazing out into space. What you thinking about? They were so busy with trying to get Runo taken care of. I know that the deal went south so fast that it was just one of the first things. They didn't even have the chance to soak in that they haven't been, you know, at uh, at Akaton for a good while i know everybody kind of had like the little uh tidbit of information but that was really far on their mind and now that 
it's a quiet moment. There's that, you know, hum of the engines and noises that are very comfortable for Miss Fanny being, uh, she loves to fly. Piloting is is a big passion. If she's not going to be in the kitchen, she wants to be at the helm. It, that's her jam. So she's just thinking of, you know, the last time she was here, thinking how, you know, they're like a little family unit and just she's happy she's part of the unit but it also brings up nostalgia as far as it has been a long time since she's checked in with you know her her people her folks you know the the fam and they're in her thoughts and especially usually if they're going to be it's usually kind of like in the quiet of the drift so memories thoughts dialogues, what ifs, and old regrets. She tries to be a person of the now, but uh, she's by no means immune to thinking about the past. So Miss Fanny is staring out into the drift, musing about the ties that bind, about family, about the past. And they can't quite put any of their 20 fingers on why, but there's one memory in particular that her mind is worrying at, like a bruise you can't stop pressing. Even at the tender age of 10, Rolora was ruthless, calculating, and ambitious. She had flourished since her adoption into the ludicrously wealthy Resora household. Some might say that wasn't a good thing. <laughs> what would those peasants know? Rolora certainly didn't care. Now, what concerned her at this moment was the large block of text scrolling on her datapad. To keep her top spot in class, she had to put in the work. While macroeconomics may be a fascinating subject to some, Rolora was still a child, and her antenna drooped as she read the same paragraph for the fourth time. Abadar's cred stick. Lolo, are you still studying? The parentals aren't even home. There's no one to impress. Rolora's antenna perked up as she leveled her emerald gaze toward the door. There stood her adorable and annoying eight-year-old sister, Aline. They had formed an alliance in the orphanage on Absalom Station. Neither had any illusion that their relationship was anything but strategic. The two gentlemen who walked into that grimy orphanage had, wisely, seen their value, and now that these orphans had become sisters, the parameters of their new alliance was yet to be determined. Just as her fathers had seen the value of two bright-eyed waifs, Rolora saw the value of this unwelcome yet potentially advantageous interruption. Oh, my sweet Ellie. Rolora beamed with a saccharine smile as she set down her data pad. We're going to need to know all sorts of things to land cushy positions at Dad's bank. That's a million years from now. Can't you take a break? I'm super bored. Rolora was in no rush to tackle that paragraph for the fifth time. Fine, but you owe me. I've been working on something new. I suppose I could let you help. I'm a good person that way. Oh, brother. Eileen scoffed, adding an eye roll for good measure. Rolora was too busy to respond. Her eyes became milky and her fair mocha skin lightened to a pale blue. Her antenna retracted into her head and her wavy chocolate locks reformed into a sharp shock of spiky white. The dainty ears on the side of her head elongated and came to a sharp point. The transformation didn't trigger a response from Aline until Rolora unfurled massive ebony wings. An hour later, Aline was still grinning ear to ear, giggling as an eight-year-old should when being flown around by a terrifying blue alien. Even the cold-hearted Rolora had to begrudgingly admit that the new parameters of this alliance should include the occasional flight. I'm the one with the wings, Ellie. Stop trying to flap your arms like that or you're going to end up on your fanny again. I picture a lot of these memories, you know, different ones throughout pop in her head. You know, every once in a while, a sigh escapes her or, you know, a little grin. Man, I was a little shit. And also mixed in with, oh, man, we had fun. She'll key in some uh, encrypted uh, codes into a data pad and just bring up old photos that are most likely years and years at a date and probably as they've had this conversation with themselves way more often than not is you know the thoughts of oh, why haven't I've gotten anything more recent 
with Miss Fanny having been a member of the crew for five years, has she been Miss Fanny the entire time? Has she shapeshifted at all in front of Friday or Saren? I know when she's served other ships or in other capacities, she would shift, maybe not in front of other folks, but to cover their shifts. Oh my gosh, I have a hot date or I just drank too much. And she's like, ah, I got you covered. So would use that to be the other person. So uh, they have in the past in other ships, but here, you know, she had a specific responsibility or she felt to um, be Miss Fanny and is really embrace that part of her that is wanting to promote that nurturing. She was a nightmare as a child and she doesn't want that in the universe. So she's being the change she wants to see as kind of part of her values. Um, so she's been sticking to Miss Fanny because it kind of seems to her kind of right with this crew. They've never felt the need to, uh, to pop out of it. They're Miss Fanny for the full experience, but she would not outweigh that over the needs of the crew. Also, Miss Fanny is clearly not a, a bog standard human because she has forearms. Oh, yeah. Genetic modification exists. <laughs> that's true. Also, <laughs> I guess, augments. yeah, no, that's a really good point. It's sci fi. You don't know. Like, maybe those augments came from a different area than Goo Monster in space. Woo. Miss Fanny's shift also comes to an end. It's been roughly a day, probably getting on towards dinner time. I remember that uh, that's something that is insisted upon, that you all gather together at least once per day to share a meal. That's a Friday rule. It's a Friday rule, because Friday's a good, <laughs> good captain. <laughs> what a good captain. Let's see, who's on cooking duty today? Fanny's needed rest. I think Friday would actually cook because on the drift, you know, you need to keep an eye, but that's what sensors are for. They'll pick up anything that's of immediate concern. So what he'll do is he'll start something and then he'll go check the bridge and then he'll come back and keep cooking. And he's going to cook a nice egg fried rice, uh, really Ooh. simple and uh, make a good broth just to, to drink with the egg fried rice. Something simple. You know, we don't have the, the fanciest stuff on Calamity. And for uh, Saren, uh, let's see, what do we got to cook for Saren? A nice rock sirloin? <laughs> yes, a nice Ooh. rock sirloin. Yeah, Friday is feeling in a creative mood, and so he uses his la- a laser gun to cut it in the shape of a sirloin and even etch it on top just because he's just feeling he wants you to feel welcome he wants you to feel like there's not a re- need to run away uh so he he t- <laughs> takes a little extra effort to make you this very adorable looking rock sirloin and uh and then calls you all to 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 eat oh, laser pistol miss fanny is wringing her hands just just it's okay he's having a good time and it's all for the best but oh my god, the weapon in the mess hall? <laughs> Absolutely not. But oh no, he does, he's been a good he sport. Want, he does he does that in the in the warehouse, the storage oh. area, because he doesn't want those rocks flying into the broth or the oh. rice. <laughs> I think that's it's funny because usually that's where Ballad hangs out. She's mostly checking the cargo if there is any, or otherwise just cleaning up the area. So I imagine him coming in and she's like, "What the?" He doesn't explain anything throws a rock down and just starts cutting it and she's like what the f is happening right now? and while he's doing it like his tongue is sticking out of the side of his mouth because he's like focusing really hard <laughs> miss fanny's okay, tasting miss fanny's tasting weird. stuff really quick while you're gone and like wiping stuff down and then adding some back salt. down again adding some salt and seasoning yep. <laughs> yeah, bless uh, little ha- himalayan best. rock salt you know mm-hmm because I guarantee you, nobody other than salt, nobody has ever taught Friday spices. <laughs> uh, and then he he rings the bell because there is a bell in the kitchen. Dear Lord, time for supper. Miss Fanny still serves because even the captain can't stop her from doing so. Oh, you're right. I'll sit down right now and just continues doing what she's doing. Oh, I'll, I'll just, I'm just gonna sit right here, uh, do the last sort little uh, refills of uh, mineral water. And then sits down. Friday does one last thing. From the small <laughs> little hydroponic garden he has, and he pulls a tomato, and he cuts it into slices so everybody can have one slice of a fruit. Fruits and veggies, I have a Wonderful. feeling, are probably harder to come by. Um, and then it brings out a bowl of yarra berries. 
<laughs> oh, he snuck some Yara berries. There's still a pie left in the bottom. Chilling. Sneak things when we can. Sneak mm-hmm. from our cargo. We have like uh, clippings of cherry blossoms <laughs> in vases and all sorts of random crap. I feel like we ha- we gotta have a garden, you know? Anytime there's a big cargo, there's always a little bit missing off the top. <laughs> like every room has one of those lucky cats with a with a little paw that dips. It's, like, yeah. it's in every room. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love that. Even bleak, hopeless jobs like this, human beings and other sentient life forms are really good at like finding the joy and finding a way to like have community with each other. And I think that's really cool. So this is the first 24-hour cycle since you left Akiton. Um, you've all had some sleep. You've all done some other pursuits that sort of take your mind off of what happened on the planet. But now that you're all sitting down together and looking at each other all together for the first time since you departed Akiton about a day ago, I imagine there's some stuff that's that's coming up as you all stare into each other's eyes and eat fried rice. Before we eat, as everybody's about to start eating... She <laughs> spoonfuls halfway to our mouths. Uh, I got. Oh. I gotta say a little prayer. <laughs> May the drift gods escort us safely through this here drift, and so we can deliver our cargo for another day. Try Amen. and give us strength, and then I immediately start eating. <laughs> wait and guide our path. Uh, oh yes, wait in the endless horizon. With a big smile. <laughs> Saren, I, I hope you enjoy the, the steak I made you. Saren is somewhere between eating and being a little bit uncomfortable right now, where it's not the food, it's the it's what's on your mind. And so <laughs> she, she just, uh, it is delicious, Captain. I haven't had rock line this good in... Sometime. It was flame broiled. Yeah. Ballad is immediately ignoring how awkward everyone else feels and is like, oh my God, it was so funny. I was like, in the cargo hold, as I always am, he just busts in there, throws down a rock, and starts cutting it. It was like wild. I don't know. I did not understand what he was doing until I saw it at the end, but. Ah, it was pretty good. It was a pretty good moment. I know the process of making rock sirloin involves cutting off a lot of the really fatty bits of the rock. (laughs) What the bleep are you talking about? There are fatty parts on rocks? I I believe it's the quartz. Quartz is awfully fatty for, uh, is that right, Saren? It affects, it affects my coloration and digestion. Oh my god. Oh my gods. What? It, it's a there, heavy, the, heavy meal, dear. Oh, a heavy meal. <laughs> I guess a little abuela joke. No, deaf ears. Oh. <laughs> Are you going to make a broth from rocks, Miss Fanny? Absolutely. Stone soup. Remember Yummy. that old tale Rock when soup. we were Yes, kid? I was about to say stone soup. Mm-hmm. Well, I hate to break the levity, but... Uh... Well, then don't. <laughs> oh, jeez. Sorry. <laughs> you see uh, Friday raise one eyebrow up at, <laughs> at you. You know, my job at Captain is to make sure you all are safe and protected. And that means knowing what forces may be going after you, may be causing harm. And don't roll your eyes at me there, Ballad. I, I can see it from here. Uh, I pro- Listen, Cap, I promise you I may be a little insubordinate as a joke. I'm not rolling my eyes. I'll, you know, I understand. It's a safety thing. I get it. I, I, just, I just need to know your stories. I care about all of you. I don't want to see any of you harmed, and there is nothing you can say that would ever make me look negatively towards you. We all got past. <laughs> we all have things that happen, and we all have to get through it. We all know that from time to time, 
just bad stuff's happens and that's okay. We just do our best. So if anybody has anything they need to add to this conversation, get this done. Please say it now so that way we can enjoy the rest of our four days in the drift. <laughs> this time Friday rolls his eyes back. <laughs> Ballad um, sighs and she's already done eating. She like ate super fast. And then they sling their arm over the back of their chair, kind of, you know, that casual way people sometimes sit and they're like, okay, so just real quick. I mean, this may have been like obvious already. Uh, I was an assassin for the Golden League, whatever. They were like letting me only kill targets that I found appropriate. So... You know, real scum of the galaxy types, not just whoever, not just random schmoes on the street. Okay, I wasn't killing, like, cool people. They deserved it. But then they suddenly, like, changed their tune and decided they didn't like that arrangement and tried to threaten me. So I ran away. Oh, my. That must have been such an ordeal. Yeah, it was, like, annoying. <laughs> it was really annoying. And I mean, like, I guess we never talk about it, but y'all already know I'm an android. It's pretty obvious. The strength and, like, the mask, and you y'all have seen that. Like, you get it. So, like, oh, <laughs> here's the other thing. I was built with this weird thingy that, like, lets me change my appearance up um, if I feel like it. So I never showed up in front of them with my actual appearance, just so y'all know. I always used a different, like, super bland human appearance when I would show up. So they don't know this face. And she, like, points at her current human face. (laughs) (laughs) Just ballad in here, dropping it all on the table. I mean, I'm sure that everyone is very distracted by, like, the casual... Okay, so the reason I have these contacts is I was an assassin for the Golden League. Anyway, like... <laughs> I have to say, you're not the first assassin I've met, believe it or not, in all my years doing this. As long as you're not planning to assassinate any of us, uh, any laughs, I think it's fine. Aw, thank you, Cappy. You have a good heart. I'm still caught on the fact that you're an android. I just thought you had some augmentations to make you stronger Saren oh my god (laughs) (laughs) I just assumed you were an android because of how easily you moved around heavy stuff Uh, you know either that Mm -hmm. or you had some enhancements and I was just thinking it felt more like an android I did show y'all my mask right and then she taps her palm with all three fingers and then a black mask takes her hair inside of it as well And it's like a black, almost kind of like a luchador mask. Mm. And there are pink LEDs that surround the eyes and also around the mouth that make the mouth an exposed sharp teeth. And then she immediately like taps her palm again and there's a light underneath her skin and it withdraws and she looks normal again. (laughs) She's like, I know at least Miss Fan. Who else? I thought I had shown all of y'all that for sure. I just always figured that was your BDSM mask. No, just kidding. yeah but like how would it come out of my face like either i'm an android or i guess like you said i could have mods but like uh, barf mods (laughs) (laughs) and it is a lovely mask my dear it's cool right when the mask appears (laughs) i don't think i've ever seen that before that's really awesome Saren's so adorable thank you uh Okay, now you, now you, now you, now you. She starts, um, uh, okay, um, she's, how to start this. So, before I joined the company, I was a slave. Oh, mm, no, wait, I think I need to go further back. You know how I speak a ton of languages and seem like I've kind of been everywhere? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, oh, well... That started when I was a kid. My mother and I always seemed to be on the run from something until we ended up on Akiton in Marrow. 
My mother got involved with a member of the Golden League named Serakiel. She pauses, sighing with this sound, air clattering through wind chimes. She runs the charitable side of their business, though if you ask me, it's not very charitable. Uh, When I was eight years old, she made a deal with the Disciples of Grace... I don't really know the details, but something about a truce, and I was part of that deal, um, and I worked for them for a few years until I was about 14. I did a lot of things I'm not really proud of. I was on the dark side of Verses, doing a job for the disciples, a friend from a smuggling crew led by this sort of experienced elf and my friend Zay Yosoki hacker helped me to release some sensitive information about the Golden League and disciples activities to the stewards the elf smuggler she was able to get me out pretty sure that uh, relations between the two groups broke down because of what I did I'm pretty sure that's why they would be after me because I screwed them over I was just doing what I had to to survive. It wasn't really about the good. Yeah, but you chose to leave them. And that might have been for yourself, but it might have been maybe you couldn't handle what they were doing, right? I couldn't handle what they were doing to me. Uh, I mean, I probably deserved it. I was always pretty annoying. Ballad slams her fist on the table and she says, Saren, no matter who within the Golden League, especially that group, they knew how to manipulate people. They knew how to program people to their liking. You are not at fault for what was done to you, especially as a young Shimmerin. They controlled you. They manipulated you. That's not your fault. Don't you ever blame yourself. I remember some disciples of grace coming to my my parents' house and trying to get them to join their cause. I realized right away that they were just no two-bit good thieves. They were shysters trying to convert us into their cause. They weren't the smartest tools <laughs> in the shed, but they definitely had compassion and they realized that there was no good to come from it. But it doesn't make what you had to do any less worse or better it just means you got pulled in and it sounds like it wasn't even about your own will exactly why would we want you to go because of that if anything it just makes me want to protect you more that's the gl in a nutshell they will take control of your life they will try and take control of your weaknesses and they will manipulate you and that's not your fault shoot it just makes me like you that much better (laughs) And yeah, you you took the initiative to break free. Whether that was for your own... You know what? I broke free because of me. I didn't break free for anyone else. I didn't leave for anyone else's sake. I left for my sake. There was a lot to unload there. So Miss Fanny's gonna do what she does and slowly refill your drink. <laughs> uh, have a seat. Have the uh, five heartbeats of silence. and Saren, that must have been... Very difficult to return to this planet and experience all these feelings. I can't imagine how difficult that must have been. Uh, Thank you for sharing with us. Again, does a a little pat, and as uh, it's a Miss Fanny thing... She doesn't have, um, and this is no disparagement to anybody else, but she doesn't have platitudes for you. She just wants to have that that silence where, you know, this is your moment. And she really is grateful that you shared and are sharing as much as you want to because it's your story, you know, your narrative, not... You know, not not hers, so she doesn't have anything else for you other than um, 
support. Saren, um, listening to all of them is having a really, really rough time. And probably no one has seen this particular configuration of sparkles beneath your form before because she typically hides you know all of the emotions I mean they've seen the spark lights everywhere there's almost this sensation of dripping on any exposed piece of crystal it just seems like the lights are dripping downwards blinking in what appear to just be could almost be reminiscent of just tears across your entire form it wasn't I, I I know I know I know it wasn't my choice, but there's it's too, I think it's too much to take in. I I appreciate you all. I think you have dealt with some no good, low down, dirty varmints your entire <laughs> life. And ain't that the truth? <laughs> I think it, you're around that all the time. And when you finally have some people who see you for who you really are it makes you want to run away because that can't possibly be real and i'm telling you as long as you got my back i got yours you've known me for eight years Saren. have i ever gone back on my word well there was that one time <laughs> <laughs> on castravel but we don't talk about that <laughs> Hey, I didn't realize that that was a costume. (laughs) That was a situation of circumstances. There was a lie. It meant that I was not able to maintain that oath. That was not my fault. The exception that proves the rule, Captain. Mm, now, by the gods, do I even want to know? You do not you know want what? No, to know. No, I don't. Yeah, actually, yeah, no, thank you. Yeah, I don't. That was that, uh, that was a good one, Saren. Way to, way to divert. Now, Jerry, don't feel obligated to... If you need to rest or Jerry. gather your thoughts, consider yourself and you won't hurt anyone's feelings if you need a few moments to yourself no pressure and the only reason i better ever hear you wanting to leave this ship is because you want to not because you're afraid of what might happen i need an oath from you there saren that you're gonna get my back as much as i got yours i have your back as mm, I, I will have your back, Captain. I and and yours, Ballad, and y- yours, Miss Fanny. What about Jambot? You forgot about Jambot. I don't need to make that promise to Jambot. <laughs> <laughs> Jambot Jam- and I have an understanding. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thank you all for your candor, and if you excuse me, I better go check the bridge. Uh, Fanny, you mind cleaning up around here while I... While I keep things going. She had already started. It's like, oh, my pleasure. Saren, for your part, just heads back to engineering and just she has a special spot that she likes to just go and relax in. And she she just goes and like lays down and stares at the at the ceiling on the of the of the engineering bay. Ballad does help Miss Fanny a little bit, you know, just sort of joshing around with her cleaning up after everybody for a minute and then once they're sort of she does that very quickly and then follows after Saren because she does still have some things on her mind after the last conversation yeah Miss Fanny will just send you off with a we'll catch up later dear oh I look forward to it I have some questions for you she sprouts another set of arms so for a total (laughs) of six to help clean up (laughs) just because the captain made a mess Uh, (laughs) he tries hard opens her mouth and then closes her mouth (laughs) by the way Friday is the total totally the person that would pull out all the dishes all the spices all the stuff (laughs) so hence the other pair of arms Dustin is not that person but Friday definitely is (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, yeah, so I follow after Saren to their Heidi place. Ha ha ha, Heidi ha, and ha, Heidi. Okay. Ha, ha, ha. Uh, <laughs> your hidden zone. <laughs> and I mean, she's not very subtle, so she kind of just, I mean, she can be, and usually she is. Here's the thing, though. She feels that subtlety is not the tactic for this situation. So she enters and gives a little knock-knock on the wall and smiles fleetingly at Saren and then sits down just on the ground, cross crisscross applesauce. And I imagine they're just sitting in silence for a good moment. Saren laying there staring at the ceiling. <laughs> yeah. That was exactly what I was picturing. And, you know, uh, she's sort of uh, respecting your silent contemplative moment and then eventually says, listen, there's no way you're going to believe in a day that we care about you and want you here after what you've been through. I know what those people are like that that you grew up around and that you were indoctrinated by. But I told you before that I think life is all about knowing when to fight and when to run. I know that because I've done a lot of running myself. Hell, I'm, I'm with Edgecorp in the first place because I was running. And it was the right choice to make at the time, to be honest. And I'd do it again. Like, if I had stayed, I know I would have regretted it. But first... I tried to run was not the same as this time. It was a mistake. I ended up isolating myself even further from the people who cared about me. And whether you think you know what you're doing and what you believe or not, you start to lose sight of the truth when you're away from your base long enough. So, (laughs) by the time I came to my senses, after... So many years of being misled, it was already too late. The things I cared about have been compromised, are still compromised to this day, because I lost sight of what was important. But, and this is important, and I want you to take this to heart, please. I will not lose hope, and I don't want you to lose hope. I've seen this cycle play out before, and I know that you can run and fight another day, And that's where you're at right now. Facing things at the appropriate time is just as important as facing them at all. Maybe you feel like you're a coward for not doing it earlier, but if you you do it at the wrong time, you may as well not do it at all. I may not be a particularly devout person, but it can't just be a coincidence that the two of us met on this ship. That I do believe. This is the best group I've ever worked with. I've seen the things the four of us can do together. At this point, if you run again, Edgecorp will find you. And if Edgecorp doesn't find you, the GL will find you. And if you're on your own, someday you'll end up in the hands of the GL one way or the other. And you know what that means. So please believe that we care about you and stand with with us, with your friends. I don't want to see those freaks get their hands on you. You don't deserve that. You don't deserve that. Nobody deserves that. A gasp of air, just like a sob, (laughs) just shakes through Saren. And she just... So hard to face the things that... I didn't say this at the table, but I... I brought other people into the Disciples of Grace... For them. There's so many people that I've hurt along the way. It's not just them, it's me too. But I don't want to run anymore. Thank you, Ballad. Life is not about being perfect and making the perfect choice every time. Hell, I've killed people, Saren. Maybe, I, you know, I always say they were horrible and they deserved it. And maybe that's true. Maybe there were other ways. 
to bring them to justice. What matters is that now I'm making the choice that I know is right based on my past mistakes. And you don't need to wallow in guilt. You don't need to you don't need to feel guilty at all. You just need to keep moving forward. That's what I think anyways. I mean, that is what the endless horizon is all about. <laughs> Always moving forward. Thank you. Saren reaches out a big crystalline hand and squeezes ballads. Chuffing back off to Friday on the bridge. You're making sure nothing's going on until you notice that the overhead lights are flicking on and off. Computer panels are flickering. Heidi and Ballad holding hands and engineering. Saren, you'd be the first to notice that the power core seems to be experiencing some fluctuations that are highly unusual. Oh, no. Saren, you better check the engine stat. We got some issues. I'm already on it, Captain. This is revenge for you rolling that one, huh? What? I don't know <laughs> what you mean. I would never do that at all. Anyway, Saren, make me an engineering check. Oh, oh! I have to roll? Oh, yeah. my gosh. You got to roll for it. <laughs> I rolled a two on the dice for an 11. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Does anyone else want to make an engineer? Saren is obviously really distracted by how weighty everything has been today. So you have no idea why it's doing this. Uh, Probably Miss Fanny is aware that Saren doesn't need like this right after and um, uh, um, um, shuffles over, uh, you know, checks some items and by check some items, make some rolls. And that is a 17 plus six. Oh, so 23 engineering. Yeah. So Miss Fanny, something's going on. Lights are flickering all over the ship. She heard Friday's intercom to engineering she knows that Saren is not in a good emotional place. And indeed, like Saren, Saren was doing that thing where you're looking at the computer panel, but you're not seeing it. Your mind is completely somewhere else, focused on something else, understandably, considering how emotional the past hour has been. So Miss Fanny, mom friend, ever helpful, surprisingly skilled at engineering, pops in and peers around Saren's shoulder and to at the relevant computer panel. And Miss Fanny, you've you've been on starships long enough, you've dripped traveled long enough, and you have worked on this cargo freighter specifically long enough to know that while flickering lights could be written off, nothing to your knowledge inside the ship would be causing these fluctuations in the power core. So you are pretty sure that there is something outside the ship draining its power. Oh, my. Captain, we have external energy drain that's causing a disturbance in the matter-antimatter subsystem, causing instabilities. Tether me, tether me, tether me, and then (laughs) Ballad is basically like, tie me, and then I'm going to jump out. She's, like, running towards the airlock. Simmer down, Ballad. And I do a 360, kind of just turn the ship around, see if I can see anything. You bring the ship around, you, in a in a banking U-turn, you do a full 360. There's nothing you can see. Ballad realizes that nobody followed them to the airlock and sighs and ties something around their own waist and then uh, gets ready to jump out. There's got to be something on the side of the ship. We have to do something now. I, I don't see anything on the outside. Do we have any, we have any, anybody have any thoughts or suggestions? Saren realizing that, you know, she's not in the headspace for the engineering will try and like leg it to the computers to 
hopefully rolling much better this time. <laughs> that is a lot better. That is a 17 on the die for a 26. Okay, Saren's head is back in the game. She is on point, much more focused. It's a bit hard to get a clear read on it with the computer screen flickering so badly, but you are able to use the science station to identify a half dozen small creatures attached to the hull. Yeah, Ballad launches herself out of the airlock. (laughs) (laughs) She's heard enough. That's all she hears over the comms. And she's like, all right, I'm out. (laughs) Excellent. Okay, well, Ballad, after launching yourself out... Of the airlock, you see six of these creatures attached to the hull. And this, my friends, if some does someone want to make me a life sciences check? Yeah, I'm like describing them over the comms because I don't know what the F. There's some red worms. Some sort of oh god, there's a bunch of teeth in one of their mouths. I just saw them rear back and there was a ton of teeth. Like red leeches. What's going on there? Anybody got a read on that? Saren rolls uh, physical science. Saren racking her brain rolls a five on the die for a 13. Ballad said the magic word. These are drift leeches. And what you know about drift leeches is that they are small creatures who attach themselves to passing ships and disrupt systems and drain power until you're dead in the water. Oh, You will also know that they can survive in normal space as well, so they can't be shaken off just by dropping out of the drift. Okay. You're going to have to all get out onto the hull to take care of this problem. We're going to go for a spacewalk. Far Beyond the Stars is a Fantastic (laughs) Worlds production. Thank you so much for listening to the show. (laughs) If you can't get enough of our crew, we also produce a second show, the Fantastic Worlds podcast, based on the Reign of Winter adventure path for Pathfinder 1E. We also recommend connecting with our fantastic community on Discord and Reddit or following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can find links to access all of those on our website, fantasticworldspod.com. If you'd like to support the pod, consider joining our Patreon by going to fantasticworlds.cash, where you can get access to behind-the-scenes content for all of our shows and a whole extra Pathfinder podcast produced exclusively for our Patreon subscribers. I am Abby, your galactic mistress. You can find me at Bonanza Famine on Instagram or Twitter. I am Heidi, playing the traumatized Saren. You can find me <laughs> at Vamahillion, that's V-A-M-I-H-I-L-I-O-N, on Twitter. Hello, dearies. Uh, This is Angel. I can be reached at Espinoza916. This is Jess. You can find me at Hank the Clank. This is the great and fantastical Dustin. You can find me at Dustin Alexander. Thank you, Sirenscape, for the use of your sound effects and music. If you enjoy our show, do us a favor. Please help spread the word to friends and family you think may enjoy the show as well. It really helps us out. We'll see you next time, far beyond the stars. Battling Drift Leeches. Far Beyond the Stars is a Fantastic Worlds production and an officially licensed partner of Paizo Incorporated. The Starfinder Adventure Path Fly Free or Die is a trademark of Paizo. Copyright 2020. All Paizo content is used with permission. I didn't know what you were going to say. I was like, oh, 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 gosh, inside joke. Yeah. The inside joke that's never revealed is like perfect. Oh, yes, gosh. and I'm yes, oh, and eat the shit out of this. I demand that one of you write me that story now. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> it, it has demanded. been demanded. The Galactic Mistress has spoken. She has spoken. It is, it is decreed. Um. <laughs> Tis written. <laughs> <laughs>